Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire with a one or two second delay in the opening because I never <laughs> get the live cue on time. <laughs> Hopefully, UFC on ESPN Plus One doesn't have those issues as we get ready to watch Henry Cejudo defend his flyweight title against TJ Dillashaw looking to become the 50 millionth champ, champ in history, it seems like. So all of a sudden, we're getting... Getting a flood of champ champs, and we'll talk about it later. I think we're going to have another one. And I think I'm actually starting to become in the minority. I think Cejudo's getting a little bit trendy out there, but we'll save that for the end. I'm your host of Fight IQ, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. The analysts were here with me every week and moved this up to a special time Thursday night just for me to accommodate me. So thank you guys. It is Chris Olson and Sun Tzu. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, no, thank you, Nestor. We couldn't do it without you. You're part of the three amigos over here. So uh, we, we're, just uh, both, we just both enjoy yelling at each other. That's true. That's true. I couldn't. I couldn't uh, get in a groove with anybody else. But I do think that that you know this card. I mean, it's not. I mean, there aren't the best matchups on it, but there are some interesting matchups from like a a DK perspective, and I think there are some interesting dogs here too. So I'm uh, excited to get into it. Uh, I'm excited to hear him because I'm actually struggling a little bit for dogs. I got a I got a bunch of dogs I'm lukewarm on, and I got one I'm picking. And you know what? We'll we will get there. Joe, how are you, my um, friend and and good buddy? Looking forward to hopefully seeing you on Saturday as long as this weather holds out. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know it's it's this card. I think 
I said it last week that I thought this card might be a little cursed. I mean, we've had all the changes. I'm still like crossing my fingers that we don't lose a fight, especially a big one, uh, you know, by virtue of the weigh-ins. But, um, you know, props to DraftKings for hooking us up again um, at Barclays. Um, and, you know, you're coming in on the train from Long Island. So your your transportation is a lot more assured than mine if we have really bad weather. So I'm hoping that the weather holds so I can I can meet you at Barclays and watch this card. I've been using the uh, hiatus to dip my toe into NBA a bit with some kind of mixed success. So uh, I am looking forward to getting back into MMA. See, what you do, Joe, is you, you, drive, you drive in early, you get a hotel on Saturday night, and you're good to go. There you go. Nice and easy. There you go. All right, before we get started, guys, make sure you like this video, subscribe, hit that, hit, hit that subscribe button. Uh, and you got to thank our sponsor and, you know, the person who puts out, the people who put out this podcast at Rotowire. Go to rotowire.com slash free, 10-day free trial of all their premium content, no credit card required, season-long, daily, obviously MMA, NBA, MLB when it comes back, NFL, all the good stuff. Check it out over there on Rotowire. If you're not watching this live um, or you know, Thursday. So I'm wondering what kind of crowd we're going to have in here on a different night. We usually record these Fridays on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to that YouTube page, or you can subscribe on the iTunes feed, Rotowire MMA lesson after the fact. But the fun thing about YouTube is there's usually a good group of guys in there chatting and, you know, talking a little bit of smack, if you will. And it's a good time. And I appreciate the crew. And hopefully a few of them will jump in here in a few seconds. All that being said, Let's get into these fights before one of them changes again. And we're going to start with a fight that's been changed. Kyle Stewart, 8,700. He is a favorite on short notice against Chase, against, did I say Chase? Chance Rencounter at 7,500. Line on this fight, Kyle Stewart, as I mentioned, comes in as the favorite. He is at minus 165. The comeback on Rencounter is plus 145. Chris, I'm going to give you the first opportunity to pick a dog. You going to do it? Uh, and what what a great fight! Uh, I have a chance to do it in too. I um, it's funny, you know, uh, Chase Recounter. Like sometimes when you got a guy coming in on his his UFC debut, you don't really know what to make of it because you can get burned by like looking at regional stuff. And then the guy's had some better training coming in, and he looks better. But that fight against Bilal Muhammad, where he basically did exactly what I expected him to do, which is just hang back, try to counter, and and sometimes wait into the pocket with these really long uh, one twos that he overextended himself that he overextends himself on, and he did it. He caught Bilal a couple of times, but like he doesn't have any real consistent offense to speak of. So like he'll land a shot and then just go right back into counter mode, and and Bilal just basically you know um, had his way with him. Uh, Kyle Stewart is, is a guy who, I mean, he'll press forward, but I mean, the first thing to say, I guess, about this fight is both these guys are really low output. I would say that Kyle Stewart probably hits harder, and and that's probably why I like him here. Um, he's, a, he's a decent top position grappler, but, I mean, he doesn't really have a reliable way to get to the fight to the ground, and he tends to give up position pretty easy. And also, uh, when he, like, gets taken down, he just tries to stand up out of things, and it sort of, like, leads to these really messy scrambles. So this is a really difficult fight to pick for me because I don't like either of these guys a great deal. I guess that I guess what that means is I I would say dog or pass. But as I said, I like Kyle Stewart's power more. 
And I think like if this is just a, you know, a, a staring into the mirror kind of fight, I like the fact that one of these guys could end it in one shot. But Kyle Stewart's just, you know, he's just too low output for me to pick him at that price. Um, uh, Chancellor Counter is a, a decent grappler too, although he doesn't really go for takedowns either. So, you know, this is sort of like a, this is sort of like a total fade fight. But if you want to go somewhere, I would say maybe take the dog money on Recountry. Joe, how about for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I understand why he's he's the favorite, Stuart. I mean, you know, I know Chris says he likes his power. He's an LFA fighter. Two of his last three wins have been by decision in LFA, so it's not exactly a, a proficient finisher. Um, at least uh, Chance has the advantage of being of training at Alliance. Um, you know, so he's got the camp advantage here. Um, I think he frustrated Bilal a little bit in that Bilal could not put him away in his last fight. So I'm not sure, unless I'm missing something, and I'll be honest, I have not had a lot of opportunity this week, uh, you know, to read what others think. But I, I just don't get the the two-to-one. I don't know how you make, you know, Stewart a two-to-one favorite here. you got a 12-and-3 fighter in chance against 11-and-1 fighter um, Stewart. And you know, Stewart actually lost, you know, his next to last fight in LFA to uh, James Nakashima. Um, you know, not a bad fighter, but, uh, you know, James Nakashima was was an undefeated fighter. And, and uh, you know, he beat he beat Stewart. So I don't know, man, I, I, I'm going to go with the dog. It's not any profound amount of confidence, but, we, you know, we are going to be looking for some dogs on this card. And, and you know, here's one. <laughs> So I'll take the dog. Yeah, like we say that, but we have we're going to lead with the same thing. I think uh, in the next fight too is not a ton of dogs, but the dog is is live here. And yep. when encounter well, if it wins, I think it's grappling based. And Stewart has that big right hand, and that that's really what his game is made of. UFC debut short notice. I'll take a couple shots of uh, on run counter. I think I think we're on the same pe- same page here, and that Stewart's too expensive. I do think Stewart's going to be under owned, and he has power. So GPP, if you want a few shares, I guess. But mm, no, I, I'm leaning towards run counter as a better play. Jeff Neal, 8500, taking on Bilal Muhammad at 7700. Uh, Jeff Neal coming off of that highlight real knockout of Frank Camacho where Frank Camacho will make you look good because he's able to eat a million shots. He Neil is minus 175. Bilal Muhammad, who in my mind always seems to go undervalued by pretty much everyone is plus 155. Wins over Tim Means, Jordan Mean, Randy Brown. Like it's a good fighter. Uh, plus 155 here. Joe, what do you have? Yeah, so Muhammad would have destroyed Camacho and Kamozi, or as I call him, Life Alert Jr. Um, I don't, (laughs) you know, Jeff Jeff Neal is, you know, he has some great finishes, but he has not fought fought near the level of competition that, um, you know, Bilal Muhammad has fought. He he actually has a loss to Kevin Holland, who may or may not turn out to be a good fighter in the UFC, but Kevin Holland beat him. Um, Bilal Muhammad uh, trains at Ruby. Really tough outing on the recent Missouri on the recent Milwaukee card. I think all their fighters lost, um, you know, at home. 
Um, so I think this is a really tough fight. I mean, I, I think it'll go to decision. Uh, I think that you're going to look at Neil maybe get an early round and then Bahamid kind of come on strong. Um, uh, I'm going to pick Bahamid here for the upset by decision, close decision, possibly split. Although I hate to predict how decisions turn out, but I will say Bilal Muhammad by decision. Chris? Yeah, um, I'm a pretty big Jeff Neal guy. I, 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 was, I was on him pretty solidly in that Camacho fight. I just love uh, the power-speed combination. And, um, you know, if we're looking for, uh, you know, a, a sort of maybe a similar fight, you know, Bilal Muhammad got, got caught out by Vicente Luque when he couldn't handle his speed or power. So, I mean, we sort of, we sort of um, have that fight that we, can, that we can look at. There are things I like about Bilal Muhammad. I like his pressure. I like his leg kicks. I think um, he's getting a lot better in throwing in combination and um, keeping the pressure on. But um, I don't know. I, I just think the power and speed of Neil is going to be too much. I think he's really defensively responsible. Um, I think he's good in the pocket. Um, and look, I think, I mean, the point's taken that, you know, Camacho doesn't move his head, but I mean, he was still like getting off on angles and, and you know, finding his counter shots, and I, I was actually really impressed with with what I saw from Neil. And um, uh, I don't think that's going to end here. I think these guys are going to end up kind of in a firefight because we know that Bilal Muhammad is is a is a volume striker, and I, I think that's going to give Neil a lot of opportunities to uh, to hit his counters. So I'm going with Jeff Neil here, and I'm going to say possibly by stoppage. I think he's the real deal. Well, what about if Muhammad takes him down? Yeah. Jeff, yeah, no, that's a great ground game. Uh, that's true. That's uh, Wait, Sean's calling time. What's up? Yeah, wait. Muhammad's not a volume striker. He, he, he he's, a, he's, a, he's a good pressuring striker. Like He, he, he can, pressures he and grinds you, but he's a grinding type of striker. He's not going to give you space like Kamacho. All right, gonna, fair enough. Fair he's going to suffocate. Oh, fair enough. I, what I meant was that that's that's sort that's basically what I meant. But fair enough. But to answer, uh, to answer Joe's point, that yes, he is a wrestler. He could use his wrestling here, but it's not like, um, it's not like that's like his first mode of, um, you know, attack. Like he can go to that and he can have some success with it. But I don't expect him to uh, launch a wrestling heavy attack here. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Um, and again, I just think uh, Neil's going to have his his opportunity, so I'm going with Neil. Yeah, I think I think Neil is going to be a little bit overhyped from that Camacho win. I think Muhammad. The problem is Muhammad tends to lose the first round and come on strong late, and he's going to look for takedowns, which I do like. I think Muhammad's the better play at 7700, and but I'm picking Jeff Neil because I do think his movement and striking is going to be a little too much, but it's going to be. I think we're all in agreement it's a close fight. For that reason, give me the less popular, less expensive fighter in the Hobbit in terms of DraftKings. All right, next up, Tay Edwards, 8,200, taking on Dennis Bermudez, 8,000 line on this fight. Tay Edwards, I believe, is still a favorite at minus 135. Come back on Bermudez at plus 115. Inside the distance on this fight. Uh, under two and a half rounds, minus 120, so it's a pick em. Fight doesn't go to decision, though, is minus 150. As the week is going on, I've gotten a stronger opinion on this fight, but I'll go last on this one. Chris, what do you got? Uh, 
Yeah, I um, I said, well, where? Okay, yeah. Um, I lost my place a second there. But uh, yeah, Tay Edwards, a guy who um, you know, ev everybody was picking just to sort of steamroll uh, Don Mage in the in the last fight. I, I was. That, that I, I didn't. I, I didn't go I, quite as far as to pick Don Mage. I did think the fight might have been a little closer, but I certainly didn't expect um, Mage to be that sharp on his counters. I didn't expect him to be that good at, at bottom game jujitsu. But be as be as it may, um, Tay Edwards is just is what he is. He's like a raw, um, unfinished product. He's very athletic. He's very powerful. Um, he's he's a strong wrestler. He has a wrestling background, but you know it, it's 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 funny. You know. We're not really that sure what his MMA wrestling game looks like because we didn't really see it on the regionals, and we saw it. We saw him land a couple of takedowns in the mage fight, but um, he didn't really get that much done when he was on the ground. So we don't know really what the extent of his top game is. And I think those were sort of desperation takedowns because he had already been rocked at that point. But um, yeah, Dennis Bermudez is is a guy who's gonna who's gonna constantly pressure you. He's gonna uh, look for his takedowns. He's he's gonna look for um his big shots um my problem is that um you know bermuda's is is going to still be at the reach disadvantage and the height disadvantage i think that's going to be good um because when when uh, i think that's going to be good for edwards because when he tries to wait in he tends to duck his head he tends to sort of you know not not be as defensively responsible as you would like and i think edwards is going to have a chance to catch him on the way in but um, it's going to be interesting to see if Bermudez can lean on him with his wrestling game and what Edwards is going to look like um, after that happens. Because we, we've never – we haven't really seen Edwards in, like, these prolonged fights where he has to – like, even in that loss, it was kind of, uh, you know, just sort of a tornado and it was over. So it's sort of hard to know what to expect from him. I think he can um, drop and, and, and probably finish Bermudez with his power, but – I think I like Bermudez to sort of just grind on him and get his takedowns and um, come away with sort of a high-scoring decision here. What I will say is that this is a very interesting fight on DraftKings because, what is it, 8,000 and 8,200, right? Yep. So I, I think that whoever wins this fight is going to score pretty big, and because of that, I'm going to target both sides of this fight in uh, DraftKings because I think either, either Bermudez – gets his takedowns and rinse and repeat and he gets high score that way. Or I think Edwards knocked him out. So I think this is a great fight to target. I'm taking Bermudez for the win, but I'll have a few shares of Edwards also. See, I'm kind of, uh, I'll, again, I'll, I'll let Joe go. I will say it's important to remember Bermudez moving up from 145 to 155 yeah. for this fight. Joe? Yeah, that's, that's some of the narrative around this fight. I mean, Let's talk about that. You and I actually had a photo op with Bermudez yep. um, when we went to the 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 UFC, the last UFC card at Barclays. He is a small guy, right? Now, I, I he has got to be at a size disadvantage. He, he is. Wait, I, 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 have to throw this in. I have to throw this in because you said that. Joe, Joe busts on me for being short, and I'm 5'8 and change. I'm about average height, I think. <laughs> Come on. Come but on, he, I'm, he, I'm he, I mean, you have to I admit he's a very small guy. Yeah, I'm. I, I mean, that's what I was getting at. I'm taller than him. Right. In, yeah. In so the photo op, I was bigger than him. Guy. He's a small guy, and I, you know, look, I don't know if this does anything for his chin, or I mean, let, let's. The other part of the narrative is four split decision losses 
that you can argue he won each one of those fights. Each one of those, at least three out of the four, I'm pretty confident he won. He could have won four out of the four. So he's got to know that his back is up against the wall here. So this is as bad a place as this might be for him. You know, it's also, you got a guy in Tay Edwards, MMA lab guy, highly hyped, who's coming in and he's fighting a guy who is whose back is up against the wall, who's coming off of four split decision losses, who's got to be motivated to make this an interesting fight. I mean, I don't know if even getting a split decision win is going to save Bermudez's job um, in the UFC. Uh, nice guy. Uh, I do, I'm not sold yet on Tay Edwards. I think to Chris's point, um, given how close the salaries are, this could be a good fight to target. Um, either, you know, I think the way that Chris was looking at this, either Edwards gets the finish or Bermudez gets the grindy kind of win. Uh, I really think that Bermudez is going to make an effort to distinguish himself in this fight. And that could be both good or bad because he, he could be taking chances that he normally wouldn't take, which could kind of lead to the finish. Or um, he could be successful. And perhaps we, we all saw what Don Madge did to, to uh, you know, to Tay Edwards. So um, I think it's a decent fight to target. I don't know if it's great to target, but I'm going to, again, it seems like I'm going with the dogs here. I'm going to pick Bermudez. See, um, my, my, as I mentioned earlier, the lean I've gotten more and more throughout the week is actually Tay Edwards. Don Madge, nobody had film on him, you know, a ton of it. And I think that Tay Edwards got a, caught a little off guard, UFC debut. I, the size advantage that you mentioned earlier, George, I can't, I can't get around that. I think they're going to, I think on the feet, it's the wrestling's going to cancel each other out. Edwards is bigger. Bermuda's been dropped a bunch, even if not always finished, he gets dropped. Edwards hits hard. I like the GPP fight. I'm not. It's funny if you like Edwards, I think it's a GPP play. If you yeah. like Bermudez, I don't think it's a great GPP play. I'm not sure how highly he scores. I know I know the narrative you just brought out. I right. think if you're on the Bermudez side, it's more of a cash play based on history. There's risk. I so, agree. So that's where I'm at for for this fight. Moving on though, we have Corey Sandhagen at 9300 taking on Mario Batista at 6900. Sandhagen is minus 500. Comeback on Batista is plus 400. Joe, break it down. Wow. F minus 500. Look, look he, Sandhagen's a very impressive fighter. I mean, uh, he, his nickname should be Gumby. I mean, the, the, the arm bar that, cool. that, uh, that Lurie had him in was just incredible. And how he got out of that, I'll never know. And then just proceeded to beat the living crap. I mean, that fight could have been stopped towards the end of the first round. That's how bad a beating that Alcantara was, was getting. And then obviously you know, went right back and finished him off in the second round. I love the way this kid fights. Um, minus 500? I mean, I guess, you know, our, our good buddy um, at Guru Elite Mad Lab um, always says, watch out for the MMA Lab fighters. You got an MMA Lab fighter here in Batista, so you know at least he's got a good camp. I don't know that he's that much better an athlete than San Hagen, which would perhaps give him an advantage if he was. Um, short notice. Um, I have to like Sandhagen here, but like I, I would not bet this at minus five hundred. Probably a better DraftKings play than to than an outright bet. But I think he'll be popular and fairly highly owned. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Chris, where are you going on this fight? 
Yeah, I I agree with Joe. I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty big fan of the way Sanhagen fights too. He's he's very he's a very slick striker. He does body head a lot. He can wrestle a little bit. He's got great leg kicks. He does a little bit of everything, and he comes in at like really weird angles. He's like he sort of reminds me of like a Dominic Cruz or somebody. So there's a lot to like about him, but I mean the, the thing that Mario Batista has here, first of all. It's going to be really interesting to see who wins the pressure war here because both these guys like the pressure. The second, the 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 thing that uh, Batista has, well, one thing is he throws he throws a lot of good straight punches, which I like. And also, like I mentioned, um, Sanhagen is a, is a, is like a a, a passable grappler, but like uh, Batista is like a, like a like a like an oppressive grappler. Like that's that's how he likes to fight. Um, that's how he you know butters his bread. I think he's he's almost certainly the better grappler than uh, Sanhagen is here, and I like how he pressures. I like that he seems to have a game plan in every fight he goes into. Um, I, like I said, Sanhagen's slick man, and I, I like a lot of things about him. But um, I, I mean, I, I see this fight as really pretty close. Like, um, and for that reason, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take Batista here. I think wow. that. Uh, yeah, you know, I I just I just think. Well, first of all, I think we can There's all the agree. One. There's the first crazy pick of the day. Well, wait. So, how is that crazy though? Like, we just we just basically all agreed that San Hagen hasn't done enough to, to. I didn't. I didn't say anything. Wait. Uh, so you think he should be minus five hundred here? That's a little wide, but I think he's going to beat the snot of Mario Batista. But okay, I mean, like, I, I, well, we we agree that he's talented, but but what does he even show? like? He beat Arnett, and then he beat. Alcantara, like he showed a lot of heart in that fight. I mean, that's great. And but I mean, I don't know. But you're like, gonna go right to the other side to take a guy who you you know even less about, who hasn't no. been in those wars, who's going to stand and trade with a with an awkward strike who throws a I high volume. I, well, I don't think he's gonna stand and trade. I think he's gonna pressure to get what he wants, and then he's gonna go for it. I don't think he's gonna stand and trade. Right, I think that you're gonna fade him totally. Like if you were gonna put 150 lineups and. You know, in a mass entry GPP and in, in the ten dollar, I mean, you would have a few shares of Batista if, if for no other reason than the camp, right? You're not going to totally fade him, are you? I was playing 150 lineups. Well, yeah. okay, let, let's, was, say let's say 100 because you don't really do that kind of mass entry. I have a couple. Yeah, I'm going to say like 20. 20, 20 I don't think he's, he's not making the he's not making the cut at 20. Really? Okay. I just just for the camp alone, I'd have to play him in a lineup. But the interest. So what I was going to talk about is is just I think that the interesting part is you have Gillespie above him and Hardy above him. I think that a lot of the ownership is going to go to those guys in GPPs. Man, it's it's it, Sanhagen gets more and more interesting that I think less people are going to be on him. I can get I can get some leverage and and some. I, I, I take I take the leverage point because I like to do that too with guys who are really expensive who don't deserve to be that expensive. So everybody's going to be. I, I take that point because I, I like to do that as well. And I you know I I would recommend doing some of that. But I mean I think Batista's plenty live here. I I don't think like I don't think Sanhagen has shown us anything to 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 say that he isn't certainly. And um, look we we've ne we've never seen. I mean we saw. We saw San Hagen against one really good grappler, and he almost tore his arm off. So you know, I, I don't know. I I just it just doesn't strike. It just strikes me as as an opportunity, and I think I think most people are just going to write Batista off because we don't we know nothing about him. There's a little bit of tape out there, but uh, I I watched it, guys. I'll tell you, I'll be shocked. There's your hot take. I don't even want to hear anything else later. That is, give me San Hagen. Poof. 
Agree to disagree, my friend. Let's move yeah. on to the next one. And I, I'm, it's going to take me a little while to, to get my breath back there. Future, future champion, Corey Sanhagen, I guess. Who knew, guys? No, no, Who that's knew? not what I said. Who knew? I hope he is one day. <laughs> Mario Batista. All right, moving on. Alonzo Menafield, 9,100, taking on the guy who's confused me all week because his name appears 7,000 different ways. Yeah, Manishas I know. Manishas nickname Mamuche, is 7,100. Uh, this is would be, according to the line, your, your GPP fight special. Let me pull up the exact line right now. Um, Metafield minus 265. Marrera plus 210. Does not go to decision. Minus 485. Chris, start us off. Yeah. Um, at first glance, um, when you look at these two guys, you would think Metafield would have a big advantage here because he's the more athletic guy. He's the bigger, powerful, more powerful striker. And, um, you know, uh, Moyera, Moyera, Moreira? Yes, something like that. I'm oh, terrible. I'm, I'm terrible at all the Brazilian yeah, names. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Moyera, and, and we're gonna, okay. So, and Moyera is just sort of like, he's, he's not really a striker at all. He comes out with that really high guard to protect himself, and just sort, sort of moves in to try to get takedowns. Um, the reason why I think that's actually gonna be play okay in Moyera's favor here is because, well, the first thing is that Menafield tends to smother his punches a lot, and what I mean by that is, like, he'll he'll pressure in, throw a strike, and wind up in the clinch because he overextends. That that I think that's happened in every Alonzo Menafield fight I've ever seen, where, like, he was he was in the clinch a lot against Daniel Jolly, he was in the clinch a lot against, um, uh, what's it uh, Combs and LFA, and the reason is because he overextends on all these strikes, and he gets himself in the clinch. And when he gets himself in the clinch with this dude, I think he's going to get taken down. I think Mayer is has shown himself to be a decent regular wrestler. Rather, um, yeah. he's got, he's got uh, good single leg trip outs. I mean, it's not just like body locks or double leg. Like he does, he'll go to different techniques to get you to the ground. And I just, I just think that like that that really high guard that like if if Menafield threw body shots, I would be more concerned about that. But he doesn't. I think he's just going to headhunt, and I think. He's gonna bounce a couple off uh, Moneyfield's uh, guard while he tries to get in. He's gonna get taken down, and he's gonna get subbed. And I, I, I don't deny that um, uh, Menafield can knock him out. He certainly can, but he's just such an unpolished striker, and he's got a guy who knows exactly what he wants to do to him in there. It's, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's such a dangerous fight uh, for him because I, I think a lot of people are gonna be on him. Because um, Minifield just looks like a deer in headlights when he's on the feet, but I honestly don't think it stays there for that long. So, w- with the um, concession that he can definitely be knocked out, and it's not a hundred percent confident, I'm going to go with uh, the dog here again. We agree, but I would put way different spin on it. Look, Minifield's a better well, Minifield's a better striker. Moreira's sure. striking striking defense is bleeping garbage. He is so stiff. If he could get knocked out in the first round, absolutely. The problem is I don't think that Mamuche is that good of a wrestler at all. I, I worry about how he's going to get this fight to the ground. The second this fight hits the ground, though, he tears through Menafield. He is a really good grappler at 205. I think eventually he gets there, and as soon as it's done, he gets, he gets, he gets a finish at 7,100. My pick, 
but at minus 45, it's hard to make the decision in cash games, even if I am picking him. His striking defense is just so bad. Two guys making their UFC debut. I always lean towards the grappler. I'm also picking Menafield, but I'm not Menafield. I'm also picking Morera. I, I just, I, I just don't think he's that good of a wrestler. I just, and his, his striking is bad, really, really, really bad. But I'm hey, still I'm picking t- him to win. I'm surprised. Did, but did you, did you see his, um, his, um, uh, contender series Brazil fight? Mamouche? Yeah. Yeah, I was I wasn't. I mean, it was a second round arm triangle. Yeah, I, I look. I thought I actually thought the wrestling was pretty. I mean, I don't know. I agree or disagree. I guess I I actually thought the wrestling was pretty good in that fight. I thought, um, you know, I thought he, he, you know, chain wrestling is pretty important. Like like trying a double when it doesn't work, you go to the single. Like I, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty good. I'm not worried about that part. I'm worried about him getting his head taken off. But you know, that's part of it. So yeah. Joe, how about for you? Wow. Um. I kind of, this is really strange. You know, I, I have to give some props to, you know, one, I was able to listen to some of, of, you know, the bloody elbow vivisection on the way home. And, you know, also um, our boy Newsom MMA is, you know, was really impressed with the jits of, of Alves. And what's really interesting about it is I, I disagree with Chris on his wrestling. But I actually think that works in his favor because the type of takedowns, the jujitsu type of takedowns that he goes for are typically not in the light heavyweight division. They don't train against them, right? So, you know, I got two words for you, Paul Craig. I mean, Paul Craig is how wins in the UFC purely based on his jujitsu, on his ground game. And I have to say, based on what I've seen, Alves's jiu-jitsu is light years ahead of what Paul Craig has. Now, the reason why this is a fight that even if you like Alves, you you got to have shares the other way, simply because we, we all agree that his striking is atrocious and he can get his head knocked off. With that said, I think this is an interesting fight to target because nobody believes it's going to go the distance. And if either fighter you know, get, gets the finish... I think they're going to score well. Um, so, oh God, I think I picked a dog in every fight so far. I guess I'll pick the dog again, but I'm looking at this as having shares on each side because of the inside of the distance prop. So I don't know if it's as important. My pick is as important as my advice to actually play this fight, both sides. All right, let's get to the next fight. Oh, good. Joe gets to start us off here. This worked out really well. Ariane yes. Lipsky, Lipsky 8,800, taking on Joanne Calderwood at 7,400. Lipsky, UFC debut, KSW champion, minus 210. Come back on JoJo, plus 170. Joe, take it away. Okay, so I, I put up a Twitter poll um, about, um, you know, the, the, the status of the female fighters on this card. I will not recap that now. Um, I've been looking forward to this fight for quite some time. Um, the violence queen, Ariana Lipsky, a, a Brazilian fighter with a Polish last name. I mean, how could I not go for this fighter? Um, you know, Joanne Calderwood, she, I guess if there's such a thing as a flash submission, she got a flash submission in her last fight. Um, this is going to be interesting. I, I, you know, it's hard at 8.8K to endorse Lipsky that, I mean, this might be a better fight to bet 
than to play on DraftKings. Although I do, I am going to predict that Lipsky gets to finish here. You know, I, I like, she's athletic. Um, she's got, you know, she is, she's young, she's athletic. Um, you know, she's got good speed. Um, she's got great ground and pound. Um, I don't know if her, I don't know that her ground game is any worse than um, Calderwood. She does have some holes in her game. Um, you know, although I'm not fully convinced that, you know, Calderwood is totally back. Um, you know, she's had trouble with fighters who've pressured her before. And I definitely see Lipsky going in to pressure her. This is the type of fighter that is not hard on the eyes that the UFC likes to market. Um, I am going to pick Lipsky here, and I am going to predict by finish. Whew, that is, that's bold. Chris? Well, um, I'm glad that uh, he went first because I didn't want to get yelled at again. But I, I think I agree uh, with Joe. I am... Um, Lipsky is such is such a like a fascinating fighter to me because all, all she like she'll throw kicks she'll throw some straight punches but really what she wants to do is plant her feet and throw hooks it's amazing and and they're just really powerful and when she connects somebody goes to sleep and um, as far as the jujitsu goes I like I've only really seen her bottom game but it, but it's really pretty good so I would I would imagine that um, I would imagine that her jujitsu is way better than uh, I'm a fan of her bottom game as well. Oh, Jesus Christ. Did you make a dirty did he make a dirty joke well, of in here? Of course he did. Of course he did. <laughs> you can't set me up like that. How is this gonna get us in serious? Come on. By, by the, because, because, because this is entertaining. Dirty jokes are what the people want, Chris. That that's true. Grow, grow up. Also, the poll is wrong. The poll listen, Joe, I know you like Lipsky. The poll should go PVZ Lipsky. Then Berdone, then Ostevich, and I can't believe I just called her Berdone. My uh, apologies. Uh, let's let's yeah. move on to that. Yeah. What are you? Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> all right. Let, 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 let me try to steer us back on course, if I could. Um, I, I I just I think that uh, the problem is like like Calderwood could maybe like use use those teep kicks and and maybe use her her her, her length a little bit to to uh, keep her at range, but Problem is that like Calderwood is, is never gonna hurt her. And if she's never gonna hurt her, then that's just gonna leave Lipsky with too many opportunities to get it going there and connect on some fire. And I think she will. And even if she doesn't, I mean, if she gets her to the ground, she's gonna finish her there anyway. So I think she's got more ways to win. I think I think Calderwood, if she wins this, it's gonna have to be like a like a skin of your teeth decision kind of thing. And I just don't think Lipsky is the kind of person who, who loses those kind of fights. Um, at least not to somebody like Calderwood, who Joe said um, can easily be pressured and backed up. So, yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm taking Lipsky by uh, stoppage here too. So, uh, there you go, Sean. I'm also picking Lipsky, but I'm a little more neutral than you guys. I right. listen UFC debut. We've seen Lipsky in trouble before, and now granted, she's fought her way out of trouble and has come out of it well. But That's she's true. had her she's had her back taken. She's been knocked down. JoJo's clearly a step up in competition. 8,800 is a lot, especially for a 125-pound fighter. This is JoJo's weight class. She looks the best she has now. She was getting teed off on by Kalindra Faria on the feet before she hit that uh, submission. So that's a little bit worrisome. But to rely on a finish at 8,800, I'll have some Lipsky. And... So where I'm at right now with this fight is I'm picking Lipsky for those reasons. But I think JoJo is live. But I don't want to have a ton of this fight because it's a 125-pound women's fight in GPP. How much do you really want of it? Um, 
So that's my breakdown of the fight. Lipsky is the pick, though, but I don't think JoJo's um, the worst play. But here's my question. Like, when you say she's live at 7,400, what is she live to? Like, do you think do you think she goes in there and gets a finish, or is she, like, a 68-70 cash play? Like, what do you think she's live to? Well, I'm, I'm talking about, I think, probably the honestly, probably the latter. It wouldn't stun me if they go in and just and and if they go in and throw down Lipsky should win. Yeah. If you know she could get a she's live to that submission. We've seen Lipsky almost sub previously, but more so just the striking. You know she's a good Muay Thai striker. If she's able to keep range and distance and circle out, I think it's more likely she gets like a seventy point win. Yeah. That's probably about her her what she's going to score and win unless she hits hits a sub or Lipsky does something silly. Like that that's about where I see um Calderwood finishing, but on a card where I don't think there's a ton of dogs despite Joe building a lineup with $4,000 left <laughs> over. I don't I don't I don't know how one dog might be enough on this card. Yeah. I agree. All right, Alex Hernandez 8600 taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone at 7600. Uh, the trash talk in this one's actually been kind of fun. Um, Hernandez, by the way, as of right now, is a minus 190 favorite. Comeback on Cerrone is plus 160. They say the prices. It's 8,600, 7,600 fight. Chris, kick, kick us off. Yeah. Um, the main thing that just jumps right out of me here is Hernandez is going to be so much faster. It's, it's, it's going to be really something to behold here. Um, he's going to, he's going to pressure, um, uh, Cowboy repeatedly. We we know that that's one of his major uh, bugaboos. I I um, you know, he does have wrestling. We saw it in the OAM OAM, OAM fight. I I you know, I kind of think it might be at his advantage not to use that here because I don't know what his jujitsu is going to look like against Cowboy. But um, you know, I I just think um, Cowboy with that stationary uh, Muay Thai style. Um, look, he's been he's been better at dealing with the pressure of late in that Mike Perry fight. We saw him, you know, we saw him uh, reach for the clinch a lot and, and disrupt that way. So that, so that was, that was a good um, improvement. And, and he's been, he's been, he's a, he's a decent counter puncher, but again, I, I just think Hernandez is going to be way too fast here. And that combined with the pressure, I, I just, I love Cowboy. I, I love how he fights. I love that he takes every fight he can, he can get, but I just see him getting knocked out here. Joe, how about for you, believer in in Cowboy and his renaissance now that he has a child? Well, I'm not I'm not crazy about the fact that he's dropping to 155 for this fight after having so many fights yes. at 70. I'm not crazy about that. Um, look, I think you got to give him a shot. Um, you know, he does have. I don't I don't think that Hernandez, like some of the other fighters that Cowboys fought and beat recently, is going to respect him. And I think, you know, like, like that, that Madeiras fight was just so strange to me. The whole, like, hugging the grandmother afterwards and the fact that it, he didn't even seem to mind that he lost. You know, it was almost like some kind of Jedi mind trance that he had on Madeiros. And he won that fight. And then, you know, Perry's like, like, why didn't Perry, like, keep the fight standing and try to hurt him to the body? Which Darren Till has shown, you know, Cerrone could be hurt to the body. So I, I don't... You know, I don't think Hernandez is going to show him that type of respect. With that said, you know, Cowboy Cerrone has got a good ground game. I mean, would it be inconceivable that despite having a disadvantage in speed that, you know, he could do something off his back, catch him in some type of submission? No. 
So for that reason, I think Cerrone is playable in mass entry GPPs. Although as a winner, I'm going to pick Hernandez. Yeah, I, I tend to agree in that. I, I really like, um, I really like Hernandez speed, the grinding advantage. It's just alive to the submission. That's where I think Cowboy's dangerous in this fight. And to a head kick, he's always, I mean, live to that. But ultimately, like, Hernandez being quicker has a style that Cowboy has struggled with. And Cowboy going down in weight. All signs point to Hernandez, which which is a little scary against Cowboy. And also, Cowboy always goes, goes a little over-owned where he should, or compared to where he should because he's Cowboy Cerrone. But I'm also taking Hernandez. And it's actually a little scary we're all on Hernandez. Yeah, it's... I think that might be the first favorite I actually Yeah, may, maybe, maybe. Well, let's see if you can make it two in a row because we have Glover to share at 8,300, taking on Carl Roberson at 7,900. To share is the favorite, although slight one at minus 120. Roberson plus 100. Fight does not go to decision. Minus 265. Seems like a GPP fight. Joe, what do you got? Okay, so I, I think that Roberson is the kind of fighter that that Teixeira can beat. Um, you know, Roberson has got his, has his struggles on the ground. I mean, you know, we saw what Ferreira did to Roberson. Um, you know, there, a much has been made about the decline of, of Glover Teixeira. Uh, his fight against Corey Anderson, you know, he, he went up, up against someone that was an accomplished wrestler that was able to, um, able to fight against, where Teixeira's strength was at his age, you know, which is essentially on the ground. So, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, much has been said about, you know, about Corey Anderson being in the corner of Roberson. Um, I, I still I still have to believe that this is the kind of guy um, that Teixeira could beat. Look, Cannoneer he beat. Um, he beat Sirkinov. Um, I don't know that Roberson is any better than than either of those guys. Um and I, I just, you know, even at his advanced age, I just don't see him having fallen to the extent where a, Ro a Carl Wilberson is going to, a kickboxer, is going to actually beat him. Now, can he catch him with something? Absolutely. So I would say have a few shares of Roberson, but I kind of like to share it quite a bit, especially at his DK price. So Roberson Rob short notice up to 205 because it's on short notice. Yeah, I forgot about that. Up to two, Right, 205 from middleweight, right. Chris? So yeah, I I think this the dynamic here is is a, a pretty simple one. If um, Glover can get to the ground, he obviously wins, I think. But if they keep it standing, I think Roberson has a significant advantage over him. The the, the old adage of uh, you know kickbox the boxer, and uh, I think Roberson could uh, could do that pretty successfully here. Like like um, uh, Teixeira has to get in the pocket and uh, really try to let loose. And I don't think um, Roberson. I, with his good movement and footwork, I don't think that um, I don't think he's going to really have success trying to get into the pocket and land shots here. I think that um, Roberson will be able to keep him on the end of his shots for as long as this is on the feet. And Roberson hits like a truck. Uh, the only reason that Jack Marshman didn't go down is because he's Jack Marshman. But um, I, I, I just think that um, it, you know it's an interesting fight because again, ground is um, is the share, and we've seen Roberson have trouble. On the ground, we've seen him have trouble stuffing takedowns. So it sort of it sort of depends on you know how the fight goes, and you have to remember too, even if you're banking on the the, 
the Glover sub that before before he got Sirkinov to the ground, Sirkinov was tuning him up on the feet. I mean, he was almost out of that fight and then managed to grab a hold of him. So I think as long as he's on the feet, I think uh, Glover's going to be in a little bit of trouble. But if he gets to the ground, yeah, he probably wins. So have some shares of both. I think this fight ends in a finish. Uh, the fight starts on the feet, and Glover is an old man now. So I think I'll take Roberson, but it's but, but it's very it's very slight. Like I could see this fight going either direction. I lean towards Joe's side. I like Glover quite a bit. The tape that stood out to me is Glover is Mutanchi quickly taking down Roberson, tearing through him. I mean, Chris said it himself. If fight hits the ground, it's over. It's can you get it down? Uh, for me, I think Glover does get it down down and gets it done here. All right, moving on, we have oh, a small technical issue. Okay, we're back. Paige Van Zant, 8,400, taking on Rachel Ostovich at 7,800. Oh, good. No, who's, no, Chris starts this one. Do we boo. This time? Boo. No, no. <laughs> did you just boo me starting a fight? Well, it's it's a women's fight. So I mean, can, can, I, can I take this? And it's yeah, not I'll your lane. too. Uh, well, whatever. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a nap. Yeah. Okay, stop. <laughs> no. Wait, 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 wait. I, mean, I, I gotta fin- I can't finish the intro. Jeez, <laughs> damn, you're excited. All right, PVZ is minus one fifty-five. Ostevich is plus one thirty-five. Joe, go ahead. Jeez. Okay, so, so this is interesting, right? There's, there's there is a significant amount of narrative. No, all kidding aside, around this fight, um, obviously, you know, you know, Paige Van Zandt is coming back after a layoff from an injury. Um, you know, making her, you know, coming in to fight at 125. Um, although I think her, was her fight against Jessica Rose Clark at 125? I, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. So look, we all know the narrative around uh, Rachel Ostovich. I'm not going to, I'm not going to re- re- go over that again. Um, you know, I'm happy to see her um, having been able to make this fight. Now kind of on to the more, uh, you know, jovial type of narrative here. You know, there's this guy that does like, you know, makes makes comedy jokes around MMA. And, you know, his joke when this fight was first announced that, you know, this is a fight where where the cornermen are actually going to put Vaseline on each other um, for this <laughs> fight, uh, which I thought was very humorous. Um, the other narrative, look, ha- hating on Paige Van Zandt is like is like not liking pumpies and small children. I mean, she is like one of the nicest people that I, I, I've ever seen. Um, she's obviously she's, she's pretty, she's nice. Um, you know, she, she's has a few new additions that she's kind of showing off, um, for this fight. Um, she's tough. She's probably too tough for her own good that, you know, she, she had her arm broken in her last fight because she just refused to, to kind of throw the towel in. Um, here's what was, what was not the fluke she broke. Didn't she break her forearm doing a spin back? Um, Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you well, know, I'm, I'm one of them, like, to go on, you know, to keep fighting. It was kind of her corner that said, you know, Paige. You know, the other thing about Paige is that I don't know that she's getting any better. She's no longer with Alpha Male. She's training at some no-name camp up in Oregon. Um, I don't know that she's getting any better. And and I also have to give a shout out to um, Orbergeen Randy Goon on Twitter. Um, and I might I might need to make this actually a feature of of you know each of our our programs is you know he he reached out to me and he said you know what Paige Van Zant is your James Tahuna for this fight right <laughs> and that is very true like she's lost to better fighters than Rachel Ostovich has beaten however Rachel Ostovich has been a lot more active um, you know of late 
Um, I think she's going to have a size advantage here um, coming into this fight. She's more of a natural 125er. That's what she's fought out her entire career. Um, I am actually going to take the dog here. Um, Paige is tough, but I could definitely see her getting caught in a submission. Um, I'm going to take the dog here. I'm going to go with RO um, against PVZ. Um, but this will be a very entertaining fight. I've already seen the stare down. It was great. Um, I'm going to tune into the weigh-ins. Um, but yeah, I, I like uh, RO here for the simple reason that she's been more active. We'll have a size advantage. And I don't see that Paige Van Zant has put herself in a position to actually improve. Whew. We all right. I'll let Chris go first, but we actually strongly disagree, Joe. Go ahead, I, I actually think I actually think for once, me and me and Joe are uh, me and uh, Sean are in the same camp here. Actually, I um I don't I don't like Rachel Ostevich that much as a fighter. I think that um she's way too tentative. She doesn't look like a comfortable striker to me. Uh, in that fight against De La Rosa, it was just like you know like intermittent jabs and wow. then just like standing in space waiting to counter. And throwing some hard shots that never really landed. Um, a couple did, but I mean, it's just, I, I basically just think Paige is going to outwork her. And I think um, the way that De La Rosa fight ended, I mean, she got her to the ground and then almost immediately just gave up her back and stopped moving. I mean, I just think she's lost on the ground when she's on the bottom. I, it, it just it just looked terrible to me. It was like she was conceding the choke. And um, if you do that against Paige, uh, she's going to choke you too. So I just think, um, look, can can Ostevich catch her? She she's probably the more heavy-handed of the two, and I have problems with Paige's offense for sure. Like, I, if I never see her throw that switch kick again, it'll be too soon. You're gonna um, see it a lot. <laughs> but I, I know I am. I know I am. But uh, but you know I, you can always dream. But um, but I ju I still just think she's gonna outwork Ostevich, and I, and I think uh, to Joe's point, she's tough enough to. You know, so where if Ostevich does connect once, you know, it's not going to be the end of the fight. And I just think she's got more ways to win. She's way more experienced in season than it shows. So I'm taking uh, uh, Paige Van Zandt. Well, before Sean beats me up, let me just clarify. I am by no means suggesting we go all in on this fight. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that this is a great fight to target. Um, yeah. Just by virtue, like if I was going to bet this fight, which I'm not, I, I would play the dog. Right. I, I am leaning towards the bet. On PVZ, her line keeps falling, but Rachel Ostevich is a four and four fighter who is one and one in the UFC, and her win is over is because they put everyone on that tough card onto a UFC card, and she drew Gavorgian. What's Paige's okay. record? Paige, okay, Paige's 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 seven and four as a pro. She is four and three in the UFC, and her losses are to the champ Rose Namajunas. Michelle Watterson, Jessica Rose Clark. Now, not great wins. Now, she has questionable wins in Kaylin Curran and Alex Chambers, but a good win over Felice Herrig and Beck Rawlings, who, who's at least tough, if nothing else. Um, and that was that head kick knockout. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not saying Paige is a world beater, obviously. Never going to be, uh, be champ. I don't even know if she's ranked. She'll never get inside. Yeah, the about the layoff, Sean, and the fact that I, I don't see how she could have improved. In that gym up in up in Oregon, a little bit, but I don't think she needs to improve to win a striking match. I don't think Ostevich can get her down. If she goes, if if there's a head and arm throw in this fight, I'm just I won't be surprised. I'll just be sad. 
Um, that's probably how I think PVZ could lose. She goes for one of those and somehow gets choked. I think she just she outstrikes for three rounds. I don't think it's a good DraftKings fight. I no. think Paige wins a comfortable decision, 60, 70 points probably. I think it's a better fight to bet. I just don't think Ostevich is UFC caliber. I think, you know, sometimes it works for you. I think she's getting the push because of her looks. And that gets me some blowback, gets me some, some blowback. I just don't think she's very good. She looks good, although she is, I think, the least attractive fighter on the card. And I'm going <laughs> to... I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna include uh, Joanne Calderwood because I got a thing for Scottish accents. So let's let's just let yeah. that hang out there. I, 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 I learned so much about Sean today. I I just don't know. I just right? don't know. Accents are good, man. It's 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 why Megan Anderson isn't the worst thing in the world either. All right, let's 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 talk about some more about fights. PBZ, you know, Joe Ben. That was a weird time to have your chair squeak, Joe. <laughs> I, I, I got to actually, I got to get my uh, my power cord. My my chair is uh, is about to, uh, my computer's about to like go dead. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go off for a minute. We got Joseph Benavides at nine thousand, taking on Dustin Ortiz at seventy two hundred. Joe B is the favorite minus two thirty. Dustin Ortiz is the dog plus one seventy five. Chris, what do you got? Um. Yeah, this is this is an interesting fight to me. Um, this is a fight that has already happened. For those uh, who may not know, um, Benavides uh, beat Ortiz in a volumey decision. It was as scrambly as you might expect. Um, it was pretty one-sided. Here's here's the reason I think this fight might be a little different. Uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, one is that I think Dustin Ortiz is a much better counter striker now than he was before. Like if you watch that fight. He would really just wade into the pocket, and and Benavides uh, would catch him every time. I think he's way more willing to play a counter game now, and I think that's going to help him a lot here. If you if you remember the, um, you know the the Sergio Pettis fight, I mean that's basically how he scores knockdowns, where he just uh, moved out of the way of a charge and, and you know caught him clean. I'm not suggesting that Dustin Ortiz is the kind of crisp boxer that Sergio Pettis is, but I, I think he's made some strides there as well. And I think that's going to pay dividends here. The other thing I, I like um, about his game now is is some more kicks so that he doesn't have to just wade into the pocket. Um, he can strike from uh, distance more, and I think that's paying dividends. And we we're also seeing, like, some power emerging. Two of his last three fights are by stoppage. He had a nice head kick over uh, Matthias Nicolau, and, and then before that, or two fights before that, he had the, uh, the, the fastest uh, – Flyweight KO over uh, Hector Sandoval, so I think I think it's really coming together uh, for Ortiz, where I, where I think Bene, Benavides is basically the same fighter he's always been, um, where he's just gonna he is just gonna wait forward with his sort of um, blitzkrieg kind of striking and try to catch you out. But I think Ortiz is going to be more prepared for that now. I think the scrambling is kind of a wash. So um, for me, like I don't I don't think anybody anybody really wins this fight by wrestling. Or submission. I mean, yeah, we've seen Ortiz sub, but that was a club and sub, so you know it doesn't really count. I, I think um, I I, ju I just think Ortiz has has progressed more as a fighter, and um, I like him to win here. Joe. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm not going to disagree. I uh, I think Benitez has gotten slightly worse, and I think Ortiz has gotten slightly better. Uh, and I, you know, are, are we going to see the the or the Benavidez who at home, uh, showed up against uh, Perez. 
Um, or are we going to see the guy that fought a very lackluster fight against, you know, Sergio Pettis, who has been, you know, since very exposed, um, you know, uh, as a fighter. So uh, I I'm, I think Ortiz is live here. I mean, I love his DraftKings price. I'm, I probably will be over um, ownership on it, um, which means I, I could be very well strung out if, if it doesn't go my way. But I do think uh, I do like Ortiz. He's one of my my more favorite you know, price value plays at, what is he, 7.4? 7.2. Point 7.2, point even better. Okay, I I, I like I like Ortiz. Uh, I will have a few shares of Benavides, but he will de- definitely be under-owned for me um, in his salary grouping. Um, so I, I like Ortiz. I'm with Chris here. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. I said, I think Joe B, we've seen the fight before. He's a better fighter. I countered him out against Perez, probably a mistake. Um, you know, guy, it's an elite flyweight. Has only lost to DJ um, Zahudo and and Sergio Pettis, but take take that for for what it was. That was an odd fight. Um, look, it's I can't pay the price for Joe Benavides when he has wins of 65, um, 65, 63, 54. He's got 90s and 100s, um, but he's been slowed down as of late. Ultimately, well, I'm picking Joe B to get a decision because we've seen the fight before. I think not enough has changed for Ortiz. He is a little more um, polished. I, I think, if anything, that keeps Benavidez's score lower because he won't press the action as much. I don't think he's going to be able to get Joe B down. Ultimately, I think Joe B wins a striking fight, but Ortiz is live, and he's not a bad cash game punt at 7.2 when the odds in this fight going the distance are, you know, fight goes to decision is minus 250. You can't hate, can't hate a, pass, a cash game punt of Ortiz, but my straight-up pick as of right now is still Joe B. All right. Um, Oh, we're going a little long this week, but thankfully we have two fights in a row that I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on. Gregor Gillespie. Gregor. Oh God! Please don't. If you uh, want to do pain. this, I'm just going to walk pain. away. The pain. Oh, Gregor Gillespie, 9400, taking on Yancy Medeiros at 6800. Gregor Gillespie. I'm going to go first in this fight because I just I can't. I'm going first each of the next two fights. Is minus five. 50, come back on Medeiros, plus 370. Gregor's DraftKings gold has never scored less than 100 points. Medeiros can't stop a takedown here. Yes, Gillespie's been clipped a few times. He just shoots a double, gets you back down. That's Medeiros' only shot is a puncher's chance. Gillespie should score well. He's going to be the chalkiest fighter on the card. I'll start with Joe, and then we'll see if I end up crying at some point. But okay. give me oh, give me Gillespie. Gold. I agree. Gianco Franca, Andrew Holbrook, Jason Gonzalez, Jordan Rinaldi, Vince from Hell Pachel. Okay, those are Gregor Gillespie's wins. In almost each of those fights, he's taken damage, striking. I mean, Jordan Rinaldi hit him to the point where he said, you know what, I better get this fight down. I don't like getting hit. If you look at his face, he takes damage in almost every fight. Okay, I am, I am not endorsing not playing uh, Gregor Gillespie. Um, however, Yancey Medeiros, natural, natural welterweight, dropping down to 155. Let me read you some of his recent opponents. 
Let's, why don't we start with uh, Dustin Poirier, uh, John McDessie, Francisco Trinaldo, Sean Spencer, okay, Eric Silva, okay, Cowboy Oliveira, Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, we're talking about two different levels of fighters that these guys have each fought. At, what is he, 6.8K? Um, yep. At 6.8K, I think you got to have at least a share or two of – of Yancey. I mean, you know, that weird Cerrone fight aside, you know, this guy is what they call Hawaiian tough. I mean, I I think a fight of the year against Cowboy Oliveira, amazing fight. Um, if he gets taken down, uh, yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I see what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Although, I mean, being the bigger fighter, being the better stand-up fighter, I could certainly see him having a puncher's chance here. And while I will be invested in, in, in GG, I'm going to have a few shares of Yancey because I do think he's got that puncher's chance. Chris? Well, I mean, okay, 6,800 and he's tough. Okay, like that's as far as I'll go, I think. But, I mean, when you say he's got that puncher's chance, Yancey Medeiros isn't like a one-shot KO artist. He's got to volume you out. And in order for him to do that, he's got to stay on his feet. And I just don't see that happening. Like, if um, like the one all right, the one thing that really when I when I go back and look at tape of Gillespie is like because usually you think of like these stocky wrestlers and they sort of just but but Greg Gillespie is really fast. He's really a quick guy, and he, I think he's I think he's really going to be able to almost do whatever he wants. Like I don't I don't disagree that he might get hit a little bit, but Yancy Madero swings very wide and herky jerky, and I wouldn't even be surprised. If Gillespie could catch him on the feet, like I, I just don't think that. Um, I would. The reason why that. Am I not? Are you uh, here? Or I didn't. Did you say something? I didn't hear you. I said I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if he won this fight standing. Ah, okay. Well, I don't think he's gonna knock him out when it's standing. But what I'm saying is, like, wouldn't be surprised if he if he like stuns him and then goes in for a takedown. Like I, I do think takedowns are integral to his game. I don't think he's gonna go away from that. But but what I'm saying is, um. Look, I, I just don't know what – like, this is going to sound harsh because I like him, but I don't know what Yancey Medeiros does really well aside from being tough. You know, like, like he's, he's, he's not going to outstrike, like, really good strikers. He's not going to outgrapple really good grapplers. Uh, he's got size and he's tough. And, and as I said, he doesn't really hit, hit very hard. So do I expect him – do I expect him to maybe land a couple of good shots on Gillespie? Maybe, but the card, the the toughness thing might not even play here because we've seen like he can land like twelve takedowns in a fight and be fine. You know, cardio for days. I I just so I mean, he's, you a fade take, for you. he's a fade. You will you won't have one share of Yancey Medeiros in drafting. I, no, no. I like if you were making a lot of lineups and you want to you want to just say, oh look how cheap he is and he's tough and he gets finishes. I would say. I, okay, I guess, but like it would be purely theoretical for me because I I just wouldn't, you know, it, I just I that that would shock me. Let, let, let me put it like that. If because I think that if Medeiros wins, he would have to finish, right? You wouldn't expect him to get a decision here. No, I would. I would not. So, uh, yeah. So I I really have a hard time seeing that happening. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty heavy on uh, Gillespie here. Yeah, I. I... My 20, I, I doubt I'll have Medeiros, maybe one or two, maybe. And that's just a hedge because I'm going to have a ton of Gillespie. Anyway. So will I. Co-main event, Greg Hardy, 9,500. Alan Crowder, 6,700. Um, 
hardy professional football player, and that's all we're going to say about him. Right, guys? Good. And Alan Crowder, um, journeyman, journeyman heavyweight who probably could make 205. Uh, UFC knows what they're doing. Hardy's going to smash. He's minus, depending on the book, 575 plus 385 on Crowder. Fight does not go to decision. It's minus 900. Like, Hardy by TKO is something ridiculous. Like, the whole thing is just Hardy should smash here. Highest price fighter in the card. It comes down to lineup construction, optimal lineup, and fitting him in. That's really that's all there is to say about it, as far as I'm concerned. Chris, please don't make me start drinking. I need to go to bed and go to work without taking a shot. I no look. I, I I would never go so far as as to pick Crowder in a spot like this. Um, I think that um, uh, Hardy just going to be too athletic and he's going to hit too hard. Ultimately, and Crowder likes to throw himself out of position with basically every strike he throws. One thing I will say, though, is that we saw Crowder in his uh, Tuesday Night Contender series use a grappling-heavy attack. And and for nothing else, he looked like he was at least a decent top-position grappler. So if he goes that route, I you know, I don't know. Has, has Greg Hardy even had to deal with a wrestler ever in his entire MMA career? Even if he's not a very good wrestler. All, you know? four, min- all four minutes of his career? That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, even if even if he's not a very good wrestler, I mean, if Crowder has a game plan here of a takedown, like on the feet, he's just going to be outmatched. Even even though Hardy, like, literally has zero defense at this point, it's not. It w- it wouldn't matter just because of all the all the tools he, he would have over him. But look, if Crowder goes out and tries to get a takedown, and and he's successful, and uh, like Hardy's never felt tired in there. His longest fight's like a minute. Like. There are just so many things that if he tr- if Crowder tries to wrestle could go in his favor here. The pick is going to be um, Hardy, but look, uh, you know, I w- I wouldn't. I honestly, I, like, I might favor Crowder more than Yancey Medeiros uh, for the price, just because I think Crowder has a much clearer path to victory of something he might do that might be effective. So there you go, mm. Joe. Well, I mean. <laughs> Crowder, like, Justin Willis could not finish Chase better than compound interest Sherman, yet he was able to finish Crowder. Um, I, I think this, if this fight got into the second round, I think we could be looking at a Kimbo Slice Dada 5000, uh, you know, debacle here. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's fair. Hardy's former NFL player. I don't know if it happens, um, but... I, you know, I'm not going to fade. I, I just think, I don't know that there's any fighter on this card that's fadeable, but the closest fighter to fadeable on this card is Alan Crowder. Um, simply because I, I, I don't know that he'll have a chance to institute a takedown game. Maybe if for some odd reason this fight gets to the second round, for that reason, I think you have to have ownership in, in Hardy here as much as you might not want to. Um, but you have to have ownership in Hardy. And to Sean's point, it does come down to lineup construction. Um, however, I will Crowder will be the lowest stone fighter in my my mass entry GPP ten dollar lineup construction. All right, let's move on to the main event. It is Henry Cejudo is the underdog defending his title at 7,300, taking on TJ Dillashaw 
8,900. Dillashaw minus 210. Come back on Cejudo plus 170. Over four and a half rounds minus 130. I like the stack. I also like TJ. I'll do my, my, my quick version of it. I don't think Henry can hold down TJ. Obviously, he can get takedowns. I don't think Cejudo's striking has improved that much. I mean, it's improved. He looked good against Wilson Hayes, who's a terrible striker. Um, got the job done against DJ. I did score that fight for him. But he, he you know, he can get hit. He, he's obviously hittable. TJ's got more power. The big concern is the weight cut and the cardio. Will that hold up? I, I, I got this feeling it's going to for, for Dillashaw. I also think he brings more volume than Cejudo. Cejudo also cuts a lot of weight to make 125. Give me Dillashaw to win a volume-based decision. I also think if anyone's going to get a finish, it'll be Dillashaw early catching Cejudo with some questionable striking defense. Uh, close fight, though. Do like the stack. We'll have shares of Cejudo for sure. But they pick is Dillashaw. Joe, take us home. Yeah, so, I mean, there's been so much narrative, you know, around this fight. Obviously, the weight-cutting narrative um, you know, like Cejudo looked like a beast in a recent photo, but I, I don't know. He looked bigger than 125. Um, you know, Dillashaw has got like a 10 pack, if that's possible. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a, we're both assuming we're all assuming this fight still happens. Um, I'm very curious to see what weigh-ins look like tomorrow and how TJ looks at weigh-ins. Um, the other narrative that I've heard, um, through several sources is that, Cejudo is actually fighting to perhaps save a division where if TJ wins this fight and becomes a two belt champion, there essentially will retire the 125 belt and, and totally scrap the division. There's rumors to that effect. Um, I don't know that that puts any pressure on Cejudo or not. Um, he's probably got a home at one with DJ. Um, but I, I think it's worth having some shares of Cejudo here. Um, I honestly did not think he won that fight against DJ. I thought DJ won that fight. Um, I don't think he did enough to take a belt from a champion um, in that fight. Um, I, absent any weight cutting issues, I like TJ a fair amount here. I think his striking is just so superior to Henry Cejudo's striking. Henry Cejudo has gotten a lot better with his striking. Obviously, his wrestling is is world class, Olympic class. Um, I don't know that he'll have a chance um, if TJ is the TJ. Um, at 135, at 125, I think TJ striking is so superior. Um, I could certainly see him catching with something and catching Cejudo with something and finishing the fight. So I like TJ by finish, and I I would go under four and a half rounds. Chris, yeah, you know what's funny about um like Cejudo's improved striking, that whole thing, and it is improved, but it, it's just funny to me because the second he feels like he he can't hang in in the striking, he goes to his wrestling. And that's his. That's the entire game. So, like, if anybody was thinking that like he's improved enough to hang with uh, Dillashaw on the feet, I, I I don't see that at all. I think we know how we know how um, tight and and deadly uh, Dillashaw can be in the pocket. We saw that in both uh, Cody Garbrandt fights. Um, I like how he integrates his offense together, the punches and the kicks, and it all flows from the wrestling. Not that he's going to take Henry Cejudo down, but I just like the way his offensive game flows together. And I think that, um, look, it's it's at least been a while, and I don't know if anybody has, like, completely, even if they've taken him down, I don't know if anybody's really, like, you know, controlled Dillashaw on the ground to to the point of, 
of of a decision win. I, I don't think um, I don't think that's that's going to happen here. I think TJ's too good in the scrambles. I think he's good at keeping distance. He's got good footwork. So I'm not too concerned about you know um, Cejudo, um you know spamming takedowns and getting a win that way. I'm pretty much with Joe here. I think that um, uh, ultimately uh, Dillashaw is just going to be too much, and it wouldn't surprise me if he catches with he catches Cejudo with something at some point and stops the fight. All right, that's our breakdown for UFC Brooklyn. Let's wrap it up with some hot takes. Uh, Chris, you're not allowed to go. You're, well, you already said what did you say? I forget my what I what I say. It's so crazy. So what what did you say? Mine was your your hot take was. Let me scroll back to the fights because I I blocked it out. It hurt me so bad. Oh, um, the guys who's fighting um, uh, Cody Sanhagen. Who's oh, fighting? Yeah. You have Mario Batista. Mario Batista. There you go. You're out of your friggin' mind. That absolutely. That absolutely. Holds. I'm, I'm, um, I'm, you know, I, I can take you disagreeing with it, but I am shocked that you're shocked by it. I, <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's, um, that's pretty fair. Joe, you got yeah. one? Yeah, both uh, female fights end in finishes. Ooh, you think Ostevich is going to finish PVC? I, I, or PVC finishes Ostevich. I could right. I could handle that a little more from you, Joe, if you actually picked PVZ to win the fight. But I, I don't know. Well, again, like I said, it's not a fight I'm saying, you know, like you should be overexposed to, no pun intended. Um but I would, uh, every time, Joe. I would, <laughs> I would certainly I, I I'm just I'm just gonna go with both fights end and finishes. I do like obviously Lipsky a lot better than than the other fight, but I, I do see both fights um ending and finishes. Um take that for what it's worth. Uh, so I need a hot take. We're going to go with probably not. Every, every take I come up with is not. I'm actually searching for a hot take. I have a lot of lukewarm takes that I, I know will just get thrown back out me and vetoed. I, 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 I don't want that. Benavidez and Benavidez leaves his gloves in the octagon. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Because I'm technically <laughs> I'm picking Benavidez to win. Although I like Ortiz in cash. Let's go with. God, this is this, this is not fun this week for hot takes. All right, got to come with something really, really ridiculous. You know, I do see a lot of finishes on this card, but let's say winning GPP lineup is over six seventy-five. Wow! Okay. Holy crap! Okay, would that break a record? No, no, they've been up in the seven hundreds before. It's gonna. I think oh. I see a lot of finishes. I, I, I think we'll get at least. Six fighters who put up one ten. All right. So, or you know what? Not I'll cover myself by a tiny bit. Not wow. not the winning one. The optimal, whatever All the right. optimal lineup is, and usually someone hits it, especially in the ten dollar. So, what is, optimal, what is the next card before we sign off? Because I we've been out for so long. I know we have eleven in a row. We have. I think it's one week off. Right. Yeah. Not till February, and then we have eleven in a row. We have eleven in a row. So what? What's yeah. the next card? It is. I'll pull it up right now. We are looking at. By the way, while you're looking that up, um, if anyone's interested, anybody who is in our, our viewing audience uh, in the Northeast, there is a Philly card coming up. Um, I plan on going down, uh, meeting uh, Houdini, uh, Mr. Drew, um, and, and Josh. 
Stonewall. They do uh, a show on Daily Fantasy MMA, our good friend Brett Apley's channel. So if anybody's interested in kind of caravining down to Philly um, to see that show, I think it's going to be a good one. I, I momentarily forgot who the headliner is, but I, I, I'm pretty sure there's a good headliner on that card in Philly. Um, so uh, just keep that in mind. I believe it's in March, um, towards the end of March. So uh, Philly, March, anybody in the Northeast that wants to kind of caravan down, reach out. If, if you have, if you're going to be in Brooklyn on Saturday, uh, reach out. Uh, you know, true. grab a drink and, and any of that stuff. Assuming, assuming we're going to be there, yeah. um, definitely let us know. By the way, business is really about to pick up, guys. We got some fun cards. We have one week off, February second. We have a Sunset Marais wow. in Brazil. Then we have Whitaker Gastelum in two thirty four. That's it. That's in Australia. And, and then we have Inganu Velasquez. Is that is where, game. where is the what is do you see the Philly card? Uh Philly card March is March something, right? We have a lot of cards. It's not even on here. Well, listen to this the schedule. February 17th, Phoenix, February 23rd, um, Blahovich Santos. That's oh. gonna be a murder. Yeah. Um in London. Then we don't even have a main event for the March 3rd card, which is in Vegas. March 10th is in Wichita, Kansas. March 16th is in London. March 24th doesn't even have a location. And then March 31st is Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And right now the only the highest caliber fight we have booked is Carolina Kovalkiewicz taking on Michelle Watterson. That won't be your main, but that's what's no. up there right now. So – Guys, one week off, and then it's it's going to get real gnarly, real fun. Make sure and check out rotowire.com slash free. Thanks to Rotowire MMA and Rotowire for um, hosting hosting this, hooking us up with 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 good stuff, supporting the uh, the podcast show, I guess we should call it, supporting the show. 10-day um, free trial, no credit card required. Make sure to follow all of us on Twitter. I'm at the DFS Sniper. That's at Real Chris Olson. That is at Sun Tzu Guys. Good luck in your contest. We'll see you next week. Joe, Chris, take care. Enjoy some fights. And by the way, Chris, just so you know, Corey Sanhagen's going to win. Sounds good. Okay. Well, well, I will be here February 2nd to, uh, to find out. So it's, that's good. Chris, you should, come, you should come to that Philly card. Yeah, I know. I, I'll, I'll, I'll see what's going on. We'll see. We might have yeah. a meetup. Okay. All right, later, guys. Good luck. Hang on for a second, Sean. Once we're, once we're not live anymore. All right, we're gonna we're gonna go off right now, and uh, thanks. See you guys later. Yeah. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.